All right, welcome to the Valley Script. Today we have part two of our time with Dr. Mike Andrula, Valley Spinal Care. Welcome I mean, to the show, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I love it. Uh, you were talking, I don't know, we were, you said something reminded me um, when you started listening to Andy, I kind of had the same reaction. Uh, around 2013-14, I told Meredith, I was like, hey, um, I have a problem. She's like, what is it? I was like, I don't have anybody that can mentor me in my circle. Like, I'm, and, and I, I'm not a big fish, but I, in the small pond I was working in, I was the big fish. And so it's like, how do I find somebody bigger and more experienced and more excellent than me to help me know what I don't know? Cause I know I'm messing a lot of things up. That's what I do know. I know, I don't know half of what I'm doing, but I'm trying to figure it out on the fly and making mistakes. And some of those are the best lessons, but it would be nice if I could find somebody to help mentor me. And, and in the search of that, I came across Andy Frazella and the MFCEO podcast and started listening. And then, um, and, and that was great. You know, right. it was, it was great. Um, there was a lot of phenomenal practical advice. And then that led to, you know, the RSA syndicate where we actually met. Yep. And, um, it was, it was been a phenomenal ride, but I think that's an important thing to point out for people listening is, you know, if you're in business, um, don't be afraid to look for somebody smarter than you and look for somebody that does it better than you. Right. Right. Like, and it's kind of like if you know, look for people that are doing what you want to be doing, right. To ask advice from. And, um, it's sometimes that's hard to find because it's easy to find people in your same situation, but you don't necessarily want to take advice from somebody that's struggling the same way you are. Right. So, you know, you know Absolutely. It's, it's nice to be able to, to have a mentor group that, to, to, to belong to you, to make connections that are meaningful and also to be able to have real world advice like that. Um, and, and even necessary. So I appreciate that you spoke to that point. I think it's all good. Got I mean, us off track. I think really that's kind of what you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, and, and the big key with that is you just apply it. You have to apply it. There's only so much you can listen to without applying things. And, For sure. And that's the, the, you know, the hamster wheel people get involved in is they'll listen to something and they, and they're like, Oh, that was really cool. And they'll show somebody else. And then it ends there. Or and they'll they go to, they'll be conference gurus, right? They'll right. belong to 10 groups and they'll go to all these conferences and they're all motive. There's all the motivation, all the confidence, but we're not really having the rubber meet the road. Right. We're not actually doing anything different. Right. So that's, that's why I mean, that was even, even one thing I had to, <laughs> the dog is on the show today. That, that was even one thing I had to um, catch myself doing is being an arte. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I have this knowledge in this notebook. Got to put it to work. Right. <laughs> Got to put it to work. Right. Yeah. yeah. Put it to work. Sometimes that's where it's difficult, you know, having the practical application, even having the courage to step up and change the culture. Like you're talking about how I'm sure that wasn't easy coming in and actually changing the culture. Cause you probably had some capitulation in staff and personalities and people were like, we're not buying into that. Yeah, and, it, and it's not that they're bad people. It's just you just can't build around that that type of environment, right? Especially when you're trying to change it and you have nine people buy in and, and then two don't. Well, it doesn't right. mean those two are bad people. It just means you, we, we just got to get some people that are more suited for that role, right? right. So you don't... What's, what's just super fortunate with our company is we don't really end our relationships with our employees on a bad note. Um, I'd say very few over the years have ended that way. And it's because we, we try to do what's best for them. You know what I mean? Like truthfully at the end of the day, if I'm not serving you as a leader and, and even though our relationship doesn't work together, well, it doesn't mean I just drop you. Right. What does that say about me as a person? 
Yeah. Right? It doesn't say that you, anything. that you were only using them for what they were beneficial it, to you. Hundred percent, and, right. that, and that's and that's the biggest fault I think in business these days. Which I also think is the best benefits for someone like me is I could go in and be like, "Hey, this is how we tweak things," and they think it's magic. It's like, no, you you treat people right, treat them like a human, invest in them because they invested in you for a year and a half and made you money. But now when they're no longer good for you, leave them. You can't do that. Well, and empower them to be their best selves. Right. right? And, and maybe they outgrow what you can offer them. But how great. And that's an awesome thing. Like, it's the biggest compliment in the world. I have a PT over. right now that stayed with us longer, probably a year and four months longer than he should have because he doesn't want to leave us. And we're like, dude, you got to come grow and go. Dude, like you need to go do what you want to do. Like I love you and we value you and you do have a tremendous amount of service here in our office. But like he's now on his third time. He's like, well, I think I'm going to delay what I'm doing a little bit. I'm like, no, you got to do what you want to do. And I, that's, that's, that's tough, you know, but at the end of the it day, it creates such loyalty though, to have that approach. Cause that's what you do in your office. And I've watched, you know, staff that comes and goes and it's just, I don't know. It's a very healthy way to approach people and to help people to grow and, and when you, oftentimes, like even when you just give them that perspective, sometimes they change their mind. They're like, oh, maybe I do want to stay, <laughs> you know? I remember kind of funny. the first time, well, this was a long time ago, back in 2009, I just purchased a practice that was failing. And that's the reason I purchased it, because it was cheap. <laughs> best, best ever. <laughs> but, but also it had, there were great demographics in the area. It was a beautiful office. Um, we had a great thing going already. And so... Um, there were a lot of good things in the practice that I felt we could come in and tweak. And, and the office manager at first, um, we were coming in and, um, we weren't seeing eye to eye and it was difficult. It was starting to create tension between she and I, and I just said, Hey, can we, can we talk for a minute? And, um, and she said, yeah. And I said, Hey, look, you know, I, this isn't a, I like you. I don't like you conversation. Because if we're having that conversation, I'll just tell you right now, you are fantastic. You have an amazing personality. You're very smart. I think you're a phenomenal human being. I just need you to do things differently than you've been doing them. There's a reason things weren't going correctly. And we're trying to create a culture and have values in our practice and you know, core values and things that we can stick to to help create a platform that will advance us all. And if you're not on board with that, that's totally fine. You don't have to be on board with that. But if you're going to work here, you need to be on board with that, right? So if you don't want to embrace that, totally fine. How do I help you get to where you want to be? You know, do we need, do you want me to help you find another job? Do you want to stay and try to work the vision? What do you want? Because I, I, you know what I've asked you to do. And if you're not willing to do that, that's okay. It's not a, I like you, I don't like you kind of thing. Right? But I think so often that's such an emotionally charged thing, like employment, having sure employment, being able to make sure you can feed your kids, you know, and provide for them, it's, it's emotionally charged. And so, you know, the threat of, oh my gosh, this may not work out. It becomes emotionally charged and not rational some of the time. And so um, what's, what's been some of the best ways you've found to be able to create that relationship with your employees to where they feel like family? You invest in what they like. You pay attention to the details in their life. Wow. That's, that's the number one thing. Like, I mean, you can, I mean, you can take it back to, Dale Carnegie is how to win friends and influence people. That's the basic step why he won and nobody else did is he actually took that extra time to invest in his people, meaning whatever they like, what are their interests? What are their hobbies? What are their kids names? Like what do they enjoy doing? And then not only do you reward a lot of bosses are reward with um, financial gain. And I'm sorry, the research is out there that it's 
while financial gain is great, a bonus here, a little spiff here and there is great. Hey, I got you tickets so you can go to the Steve Axe game with your kids. That speaks a lot more volumes than, hey, here's a hundred bucks. Here's a hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, here's Starbucks for a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? These these things. It's, and, that's, and that's probably the number one thing that I even had to learn because the guy before us, he would just pay people to do stuff. And at first I thought it was really cool. It's like, oh yeah, look at that. He's spending a little bit of money to get more money. And it's like, that's that's not how it is. It's about relationships and people. And then, you know, I did learn over time that the more you invest in people, they'll buy in because of you, not because of, you know, what you're going to offer or anything like that. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, I know my employees, kids and what they do and what where their favorite spots are for vacation and we you actually talk about the weekend don't just be like hey how's your day hey, what's up hey how was the weekend good i don't end it good i am like so how was it what'd you do yeah. and then you, you paid know? attention too and you pay attention because then <laughs> what they tell you is now you throw that in your memory bank right yeah. Yeah, i think that, man i think know. that is really such solid business advice honestly hey. that is that is solid goal dude well, I appreciate it, but like I said, I just I I, I read and I applied. Right? It's, right, I've 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 listened to that book twice. I've read it once, and I apply it. It's obviously the test of time for a reason, and you know I'm just doing what people have done before me that's worked, and I had to learn it. I was not a great communicator. I'm sure. not, I was, and so this day, um, I even text my business partner two days ago, and I said, "Hey, man, we need to get together." Um, cause that is his forte. He's really good at that. And I said, Hey, I need to be better at relationships. Something's, I can feel me drifting. I can feel, uh, some distancing and what I'm doing with some people, not just in my office, but just in social life. Right. And, um, it's something that I continually work on. It's, that's the whole part of life is you have to continually just keep building and building as you know, how Ed says compound pounding, right? He has this new one more book. And I just think of it as just compound pounding. You, you keep going and you keep going. You keep building off that and you're never going to be perfect. So how do you keep, you know, part of our, our mission here is, is, you know, mind, body, soul, and empire. So mm-hmm. how do you keep your, your mind and your body um, in the correct space to be able to do this? Like, how do you take care of yourself as a chiropractor? I mean, I have, and, a, I have a pretty easy daily routine. I, I wake up um, around 5, 530. Um, were you always a morning person? Always a morning person. See, I hate waking up in the morning. And Gosh. so the whole thing of retraining <laughs> your body. And like, I don't, and I don't want to talk to anybody for about an hour after I've woken up. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of people that do great that don't do that. So like what I'm saying is, is this is just me. Like I, I grew up on a farm where we got up early. I so did I. The animals <laughs> and it was always ingrained to me is the, the more work you can do, you just outwork people and it was a good thing. And now that's kind of been really this, cliche of what these entrepreneurs and people do is oh i wake up early and i get more done and it's like that's cool but like for me personally i wake up um i do my daily devotional i read the bible um and then i do my bible study devotional and that's my time it's what i do have a cup of coffee i chill sometimes in my i'm in my underwear sometimes i'm not (laughs) you know i go outside you know and it's it's my time I don't look at the phone. I don't check anything. Um, I go, I read. I try to input as much as I can into our Bible study that we do. I have a group of about five, six guys that we do that with. And then I start my day. I, you know, 
And some, some days I'll reverse that. I'll get up at 4.45, get to the gym, work out from 5 to, you know, 6, and then do the same routine as far as Bible study, you know, do my Bible, reading myself, and then I start my day. Um, how, how integral is that to you being successful and you being on your game? Like, can you get away with not having your morning routine, or is your morning routine vital to your success? As long as I keep it... As long as I stick to what my own um, promises to myself, right? So there's some mornings I'm like, crap, I slept in till six, which is rare, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I slept that. in till six. I don't have time to sit down, have a cup of coffee for 30 minutes, right? Not only did I not work out, I still make it a priority. So then I just kind of prolong the morning routine versus I get in the truck, I listen to, I listen to the Bible. I, when I get to work, I don't touch work. Say hi to everybody. Say everything. Good morning. I'll shut the door to my room before I know I have a few patients come in. I'll knock out my stuff, right? So I don't ever delay the process. I'll delay the process, but the process is still there before everything. And that way, my mind's right. My headspace is right. My priorities are there for the day. Um, and then, you know, like as far as physical fitness, if I don't do it in the morning, I do it in the afternoon. Um, I can argue that physiologically, your body is best prime is to work out in the afternoon, meaning between the hours of like 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Yeah, I'd agree. And with I that. can argue to that on other, whatever you want to go with that with some things, but that's when your body's prime to work out when it's prime, right? Everyone has that, oh, I went to lunch and I get lethargic and then I grab my Diet Coke and my coffee and my energy drink. <laughs> and it's like, or you can just go to the gym. Right. And then you eat and then you got your fuel and you're back at it for another six hours, in my case, on like a Monday or Wednesday. So I work out, you know, I'd say average five days a week. Sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's two a days, depending on how I play the game of balance with my diet. Something, if I know I have something bad, right, I'm extra going to do some cardio that day. I don't play the <laughs> game. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I'm like, hey, I wanted two cups of coffee. Now, some people might say you're punishing yourself. That's punishing yourself. It's not. For- it's that, that, no, that's, that is... That is giving your body self-respect, right? That's, that is doing yeah. what's necessary, right? Like you're paying the consequences. I tell my kids, pay the toll, right? Like yeah. I'm paying my own toll. I made a bad decision. I can either suffer and don't do anything about it, or I can keep myself accountable, which is the number one thing that you want to do in life anyways is keep yourself accountable. And that's right. literally what I do. So that, we, we did a, an episode on self-love. I'm sure you loved it. It was my most recent episode. I'm sure you've been on top of it. But. I actually have been on top of it, and I did listen to it. I've listened to the majority of the episodes that you put out. Well, thanks, It's pretty great, yeah. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. I actually love it. Um, I love the uh, – it was interesting. as the, the direction that this podcast was going from the beginning, like, uh, like you said, to – how it's just kind of transitioning. You got a little politician in there and then it's about relationships. And it's funny is you can even go look through your comments, which I've done. I've looked through the comments to see your feedback and why I've done that is two things. A, what do people really like me? Cause I'm selfishly wondering what, <laughs> right. And in truth, it's about relationships. It's real life, um, applicable learning. Right. And, and in a way it's observing, you can observe these comments and the interaction of the people you're getting. And that's right. There's, you know, teachable moments. So for sure people, People could learn a lot in the podcast, and then you can learn a lot from people in the in the comment section. So, yeah, I do like the the direction this podcast is going, and it's super exciting. Like, I I mean, it's growing and it's big, and that's why I said, is it on YouTube? Is where is it at? Because 
my biggest thing was I want to bring value, somewhat value. If somebody gets one 30-second glimpse of whatever I say and that brings value to somebody, cool, I did my job. So I appreciate that. Thank you for the feedback. And, and it has been humbling even um, sometimes the, the comments and, and even like a self-reflective checking process as we read through some of those like, well, maybe this person has a point. You know, there was a comment I remember reading in particular and I was like, I don't, it hit me like, I don't like that. <laughs> but then I started to reflect, well, maybe they have a point. Maybe they're right. Maybe I need to consider this point of view. And it, it's good because it helps me grow and helps me learn. And um, anyway, we, we appreciate you saying that and yeah. appreciate you being on the show. Um, speaking of that, though, um, one thing I want to know is and, and talk to you about is another thing I read in the article is um, uh, it seems like your time in your academia, your academic pursuits wasn't always as excellent as, as it ended up being. No. Um, do you care to speak to that? Because yeah, I absolutely. think that's super valuable because, you know, a lot of people look at you and, and other people, pillars in their community, doctors they go to, and like, I want to be like that. But they don't think they can do it. Or they don't think they're smart enough. Or they don't think they can handle the school. And I don't think people realize, like, you know, the part of the article said there was a time when you were on academic probation. And um, I've been there. And I don't think people, really, I think people look at us like, oh, these geniuses, just this golden ticket and it was easy for you. It no. wasn't easy for me. So how about you? Like, yeah, tell us about yeah. That? I mean, high school, I was an average student, you know, B, C's, occasional A's, you know, when you got weightlifting in PE and football. <laughs> yeah, um, I always got an A in weightlifting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's great. It was a solid A. <laughs> I mean, um, didn't get any scholarships for either of those things. Um, everything I did was, I mean, I was, I, I liked to have fun. And so when I went to college, I had fun. And to the point where I had a 1.0 GPA at ASU oh, and they wow. dropped my schedule of 18 credits to 12 because I was put on academic probation for, which, which is funny is I worked a lot. So I made a lot of money. And so early on I was like, well, if I can make a lot of money doing this, you know, do I even need, do school? I need the school? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was, that was part of it. Um, I also realized like, I don't want to get kicked out of school because at that time I, I had a lot of value in it to kind of what I wanted out in life. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing was easy. Studying was hard. Reading was hard. Um, even, even the urge to go to class was sometimes hard because I thought there was other things I could be doing. Um, that are more worth your time. More worth my time. Um, and so, yeah, even, even when I got into Cairo school, I didn't get into Cairo school because of my own ambition. I got into Cairo school because my now wife we started dating and she saw an application in my desk um, that was ready to go and be sent out to Parker University in Dallas. She sent it in without me knowing. Really? By the way, we, we, <laughs> we, 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 we've been dating for four months, three wow. months. And next thing I know, I get a thing where you got to come meet and see if you're right for a school type of thing. How was that for you? Was that like a, I mean, she did something very beneficial for you. Right. Did it feel like that? It did. Okay. So it, it wasn't did. like you jumped in my stuff and interceded well, because for my behalf. The way she, she, she put it as, you know, and she said this, even though I didn't know what she did afterwards. She goes, well, why would you fill it all out if you don't want to do it? I, I, that's one of the biggest call outs you can ever get. Yeah, that's a decent point. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and my whole thing was like, well, I don't know. I'm on the best grades. And it was all that self um, deprecating talk because right. I know I've never been a good student. How do I think now I'm going to go understand medical science and go get a doctorate in something that I haven't been able to 
get more than three A's on any semester moving forward. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just self-deprecating talk. And she's like, right. well, why bother even doing that? And she's like, you wouldn't have done this if you didn't want to do it. And so she sent it out, me unknowing. I had literally no clue until I got a thing in the mail. Like It was like three weeks later. Wow. And said, hey, this uh, dean wants to meet with you, see if you're a good candidate for the school. Now, granted, my grades weren't terrible at that time because, granted, it's been three years since academic probation. So I had decent grades. But, I mean, I had to work for it. Right. Like, and it mm. sucked. Um, but, yeah, it was, that was the only reason I went to school. It was something, it was a career path I was interested in. Granted, this was after the whole snowboarding incident. Sure. Um, and, and I thought chiropractors were cool, but truthfully, I thought chiropractors were cool because the ones I knew were hyper successful and made a lot of money and, you know, they, they were the guy, right? And that appealed to me more than schooling did. <laughs> right. And then I realized, you know, what it had to entail. And but, then, and even making a difference in people's lives right now is kind of your focus. And would well, yeah, <laughs> right. That well, was, the beginning, that was a- <laughs> yeah. The beginning was like, Oh, I got to make some money. I need right. a job to now it's like, well, how do I impact at a at a greater capacity than I than I am now, uh, you know? And so it's a different mindset, but yeah, good job, Megan. Yeah, right? yeah, my wife's <laughs> great name job. is Megan, and uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, if it wasn't for her, I probably would still be in real estate, um, right? And doing something there, sure. Um, that's that's really cool. I had no idea. I did not know that about you guys. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty so fun. So tell me, you know, I know you guys. Your faith's important to you. Your family's important to you. Your wife's important to you. What do you do as a busy, um, you know, medical professional and um, all the pursuits you have being a father, you know, make, I know you support your kids in sports and different things. Um, dance, I think one of your children, one of your children. Was. And, okay. And um, how do you and, and your wife, what do you guys do to maintain the, the spark or the passion and the love in your marriage? I mean, we set out time. We set out time intentionally, and I know that sounds weird for some people where we, you plan it, you know, like people, I'm sure you've heard of people say they go, <laughs> well, we, we plan a sex night. Or I was going to say, oh, well, I think when you said calendar and plan, I just thought, no, yeah, I know some plan, people calendar right? sex. Yeah, right? <laughs> but no, we, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it's funny and it sounds ridiculous, but um, we, we, we plan it. Like we strategically have sitters, we strategically make trips, right? That like even if it's a weekend getaway, we um will strategically listen to a similar podcast so we have a conversation that both of us could be thinking about for that day. Um which is that's super fun to do too is like, hey, we'll get out and it's not like all oh, one a day. It's like, hey, I listen to this, take a gander. When you listen to it, let me know. And it's something really cool. It's like because both of us are so busy, we don't have time to just reflect right there that day on it. But it's cool as you implement that in someone's mind and each of our minds, you know, just that's similar to like the, the Gary Chapman book that you guys are reading right now. I only started reading it for the second time because I saw my wife had it on her seat of a car waiting in kids pickup line. And I said, oh, you're reading that book again. She goes, yeah. She goes, I just kind of felt like I needed a tune up. And I said, well, what if I read it with you and we just chat about it? And she's like, she's like, yeah, you know, whatever. But those little conversations of just openness Silly conversations is kind of what we thrive off of. Also, you were paying That's attention so too. Good. You know, you got to pay attention. You were paying attention. You, you saw your wife had that book, and and not you weren't just like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> like rather than be like, why does she got to read that? What's you know, right? I mean, to be, I mean, people be like, oh, <laughs> what the hell? What am I not doing? <laughs> What's right, going on? Right? Like, right. But uh, you're paying attention and, and trying to be a good partner. Do you want to speak? Well, I just I just love the connection that that brings. Just the intentional 
um, awareness to detail, I guess, and, and, and planning it and talking about it. And I don't know, just in the feedback that we've gotten, a lot of couples have a hard time connecting in some way. That's a really simple way to do it. Like, Hey, I listened to this podcast. I thought it was fabulous. Let me know what you think or reading the same book or, I mean, anything like that to spark conversation and have intentional time together. And I don't know, I think everybody wants their relationship to just flow and just be perfect and dynamic and whatever, but you really have to be intentional and work at making things happen and having time together and connecting and providing opportunities where you can grow together and progress together. And I, I love that. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, something that we did really cool this year, um, you know, everyone does their, their newly year goals, right. And we do couple goals as well which is something we didn't always used to do. And some of it is our visions of our 10 years or our five-year visions and stuff like that. Well, this year, you know, usually she has to marinate in her head about what she really wants and what we should do. And this year was really interesting is uh, we're like a weekend in the new year of 2022. And uh, I said, hey, what's something, you know, would help, you know, help our relationship? She goes, I think going to bed at the same time. Wow. Like instant. And I was like, and I go, Oh, okay. Like, what do you mean? She goes, yeah. Cause she goes, one of us will go to bed early and then the other one will go to bed and we lose a disconnect even for those moments at night. Right. Where we kind of recap our day. We're not on our phones. Um, it also helps us kind of organize our thoughts together. So we don't wake up in a scattered brain the next morning. And it's true. Some of us would get caught watching a show or reading a book. The other person falls asleep on the couch and then one of us goes to bed and then 2 a.m. rolls around. You go out to the couch and you wake them up and you bring them into bed, right? Right. Well, there's so many bad things that you know, are about that that we realize about our relationship. And so we've made it a habit to go to bed at the same time. Whether we're ready to go to bed or not, that's what we've agreed on. So as long as we're into bed together, like the other night, I went to bed at 9.10, which is super early for me. She stayed up for another hour and a half just watching her show on an iPad because that's what she wanted to do. I went to bed. But she easily could have been outside in the family room and been removed out of the situation. And what's funny is seeing how even that intimate time together, you're not talking, you're not doing whatever, has made a big difference in our relationship. Now, you know, it's just it's something that she obviously felt a need to say. And I just no questions asked. I was like, nailed it, got it. Because she knows how much very goal and vision oriented I am. So I knew when there was an immediate answer from her, I was like, we're going to apply it. There's no arguing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And, you know, to kind of go along with, you know, how do we do things, it's recognizing that intentionality by the other person. You know, there's sometimes, you know, one of us will say something and we are able to recognize because of the situation we might be or the, the time of day or the time of the week where we're able to be like, okay, that's the most highest priority on their head right now. Everything else we can go back from. And it's not jumping to the, the nitpicky crap, right? Whether yeah. we're, we're in something and then something said and we each realize, okay, we're going to put that on a chill. We're going to get this because that's our priority. And then we can go back. And what's funny is usually when we go back, it was stuff that gets figured out so much faster than it would have been if we just had a discussion about it <laughs> yeah, there and sure. then. Yeah. And so timing our things, but yeah, man, I mean, we have, we have fights just like everyone does. We have battles. It's, it's, that's part of the, the beast, but I think that's part of intimacy in a way. I don't think people look at it as 
arguing and discussion is a way of intimacy. But if you start listening, yeah. I tell you what, there's a lot to be learned and there's a lot of more intimacy that grows through those, you know, that resolve afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think, they, I think, I don't think people value as much right. as I think you nailed it. I think yeah. you nailed it in the key of, if you listen, if you're listening, like you're like, you've obviously been listening and paying attention when your wife speaks and your wife does something. It's not just like, like with me, I, when I got under the trap of feeling entitled to certain things, um, then the evidences that I looked for supported my own theory. So I would look for times when I wasn't being, um, in my mind, loved or taken care of or served in a certain way. Rather than looking for all the things that was, was right in, in gratitude, I was looking for the nitpicky crap. And then rather than dealing with like, hey, this issue, this is the main issue right now. Well, what about last year when blah, 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 and you said blah, 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 and, right. you know, it derails you, right? But like talking about like, this is the most important thing to us right now. Like, let's go to bed at the same time tonight. Let's go to the, start going to bed together every night in the same night. Like that, that's right now, right? And that helps you work through all that crap that really doesn't matter anymore because it's in the past anyway, right? Yeah. Like, I love that. You're paying attention and you're listening and you're listening from the standpoint of not to respond or retaliate, but you're listening to the standpoint of understanding your partner and your spouse and you're listening to the standpoint of how I can be better for them. Right. I, that's, I and, really, it, and it hit hard when I realized whenever things get a little sketchy is, and she asked me this, she goes, how is it that you can remember every detail about your staff and your patient's life, but you can't remember what I just said? Oh, wow. And it is funny. It is funny. It, it, I was it, laughing because I could relate to my, and, and it's fully relatable, mouth, but, but yeah. it got to a point where it went from, Oh, and she'd bring it up a couple of times. We'd be out to the couple. She's like, yeah, I get this. And I was talking to Mike the other day and uh, he didn't remember I said this and da, 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 and he could remember every detail about everybody he sees. <laughs> and what's funny, there's a few of those conversations that happen. I'd say more than a few. And, and then you start going, she really is trying to tell me something here. Yeah without me really understanding the severity of what's going on. And, and it was, it's something that I needed to work on. And, um, and then she, you know, needed to work on some other things, you know, but usually it was my fault. Anyways. Um, I'd probably say the last thing it was from a podcast I heard a few years ago, and this is kind of what keeps us grounded is I got really vulnerable and once a month, I ask her, no rebuttals are included. What do I need to work on? Wow. Just being, just, just straight up, going in the raw. What do I need to work on? Whatever she says, you're just like. And so now usually it just comes from like a date night. We're going to date night. She's like, hey, can you help? And she'll say, be a little more intentional with this and this with the kid. Can you not have an outbreak or yell at this? Or can you be more, um, aware of your surroundings when we're in this situation, you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, got it. I don't rebuttal. I don't say when or where ask for details. And that's all I do. And I've been doing that now for two years. And that was something I learned from a podcast. I think the guy was on the NFL. He was in the NFL. He was retired. And he said that that's something he started doing with his wife because they didn't really have good communication because he traveled a lot. And I'm like, well, I'm really no different. I work six days a week. Communication is already tough as it is. I was like, how do I know what's on the top of my mind of my wife that she needs me to work on? And so the hard part for me was no rebuttal. Right. What I learned was <laughs> the list got shorter and shorter. The amount of no rebuttaling came. 
So now we still do it once a month. Hey, what I suck at? And I'll literally be like, hey, what did I suck at last month? And she laughs, right? And the list is, thank God, getting smaller. Um, and it really helps because at least I know I'm, you know, honoring her as I'm listening and trying to diligently, whether I achieve at it or not, she understands that I know it's there. And so that's something that's, uh, that's been over just a couple of years. That's really great. You know, so great. I love that. <laughs> I love that. For, that is a great idea. <laughs> Sorry, Lonnie. The no rebuttal part. <laughs> the no rebuttal part being the strongest part. This right? is not for everybody. I mean, I just mean. <laughs> no, that's really good. I think um, it's just important in a relationship to feel heard and understood. And I think, like, communication is one thing that I'm terrible at, too, because, um, I don't like conflict. I don't like whenever there's a problem, I would much prefer to just pretend like it's not there and just move forward and let it go. But but in a relationship, if you want to grow and progress and connect, you need to work through those things that are hard or things that might rub you the wrong way so that um, it doesn't continue to build and right. resentment or angst or whatever. Um, but... I think I think that goes a long way just to say like, hey, what do you need from me? You know, what can I do better for you? That's that's fantastic. That's simply what it is. It's like, hey, what do I suck at? So the last couple of things I want to focus on before yeah. we wrap this up is um, I know that you are actively working on your uh, pilot's license, right? Or do you already have your pilot's license and you're working I on being- I got it. I, I, I have not flown in six months, so I have to get recertified, right? Because okay. at our place, it's it's every three months. So, yeah. I did do that during Were, COVID. You weren't you working towards being able to fly a turboprop? Yeah, so I need to get my instrument. I do currently fly a turboprop. It's a Cirrus SR-22T. Okay. Um, it's a great plane. Highly recommend it to anyone. It has a parachute for all the, the wives listening for their <laughs> really? husbands. It has a parachute. It has a parachute in case you really screw up. Um, Fantastic. Which That's you shouldn't because these planes are so smart now. Um but to get higher and faster, you need to get your instrument rating. And I have yet to start that. And um, that's that's next in the books is to get that done. How important is that to you? I know it's kind of a personal pursuit, right? So is like how important to like the development of your whole self is pursuing hobbies like that? I think it's super important because it gets you excited. It gets you excited outside of your realm. So it can kind of be like your thing, your space. You know, like, you keep that passion and fire alive. Yeah, it keeps that passion and fire alive and it helps. I mean, for me, when I was up flying, right, it was during COVID, right? So my practice is down 35%, right? Like everyone's home, the kids are home and you get in this kind of funk. Well, how did I get myself out of funk? I did something new. I did something to better myself, right? In my opinion, it bettered myself. Um, I also thought about the things they could do, right? Kids have tournaments. We can fly to tournaments. We can do other things, family vacations, stuff like that. And then it starts to bring other hope in your life doing certain things. Now, it doesn't have to be flying. It could be anything, right? Um, if we put a landing strip in, maybe you could have flown out here rather than driving. <laughs> I, I could have. I, <laughs> I mean, Goodyear's, Goodyear's right there. Uh, it's and still I've flown 20 minutes. Goodyear many times. <laughs> it's still 20 minutes away. <laughs> it is 20 minutes away. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's it, I do a few things. I work out to keep my mind right. Um, flying is another one of those things. And I, I like to play golf. And um, And those are the kind of the things I do. I'm not crazy i don't i do much more than that those are kind of my hobbies my understanding is you have a desire for philanthropy too and um specifically 
um, serving serving people in a foreign land in a in a certain way. Correct. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So my heart has always been with Africa. Um, as I was young young man in high school, um, I graduated and I didn't go and party um, out of high school. I actually went to Kenya. Really? So we went to Kenya for, um, and I, I'm, I'm not Mormon. It wasn't like a, a Mormon, Mormon mission. Right. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying, because I'm sure was, listeners will ask. But that um, was on your own accord. But it was, it was yeah, it was through our church. And um, our church was going to a few different places. And um, I chose Kenya. Um, basically because, it, in my opinion, it was the country that needed the most work. And out of where everyone was going. Over the years, I'd gone to Spain. I'd gone to Mexico. Um and Africa is where we went. Went to Kenya. Went to, um, you know, went to Tanzania. We went all over the place. We basically worked at an orphanage, and we 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 talked about the Bible and Jesus, and we also built them a bakery, a town hall, like actual infrastructure. Like we were there for a long time, and to see the other part of the world, and to see God work, and to see how much impact love can be for somebody else was very impactful to me. And um, I'd always been that way. I enjoy working with my hands. So to me, building stuff is right up my alley. How much time were you there? Um, we were there for about six weeks. Wow. And we built a, a bakery and a town hall. Um, town hall meeting, like they, they would meet outside in these like tents wow. for their um, – for their dinners and their meals and their church services. And so what we did is created this, I mean, it was probably around 2000 square foot town hall. Like imagine like something on a, like a kingdom, you know, you see that big town hall, yeah. with like the chairs. It right. was almost like that. It was super cool. <laughs> yeah. um, it just had to be something like a rectangle, super basic for us to build. I was because, like, we did all that in six weeks. I mean, that's pretty Yeah, we, we did. It, wheelbarrows of, um, we'd grab the, the buckets of water and mix the cement and we'd be on two by fours of wheelbarrows. I was going to say, it's not like you had Home Depot yeah. in the background. You no, know? Like, no. So it was cool, man. I mean, it was, we would do that and then we would do like some like worship um, and little mini Bible study. We did that daily and then they would feed us and then um, it was just cool. We built relationships. And so since then, you know, I went on a couple places. I went to the Dominican and did chiropractic, like a chiropractic mission trip where we yeah. basically had pitched up a table outside of a firehouse and had a line of a hundred people where we went into villages and just like put our hands on people. Like just, this was all chiropractic. We're, we're going to the DR in September um, to, for a dental mission trip with um, Bright Island Outreach. But if you want to, if you want to come with, I'm sure we could set, yeah, set up some chiropractic yeah, stuff. That'd be amazing. The info. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that. And then now currently I'm working with um, my church has a thing. It's called the Tanzania project. And what it does is it funds these children to get through these schools, actual real school. Like they'll go to a prep, like, not a preparatory school, but um, um, they call it like a secondary school and it gets them to what they want in life. And um, our church went in there and we started out with a bunch of kids and I not only sponsor kids, but I, you know, we, we, we get them things that they want. So like I have a, a guy named, who's essentially my adopted son, his name's Khalid and he's going into, um, he's going into entrepreneurship. Like, Khalid, Khalid lives Khalid, Khalid lives in Tanzania, Tanzania. Wow. and um, now I'm looking at expanding that. So we're getting these kids through school. We're giving them food. We're giving them clothes. We're giving them shelter. So it's all part of this tuition that the church has raised. Um, but now I'm looking to expanding the role 
and let's start in their own business. Yes. So we're going to go out there. What's the business? We're not going to do the business plan. No, we're going to, we're going to fund and essentially teach them what's a business loan. How do we do that? And we're going to go through the whole process and create essentially a business school where we create business out of it. Right. Not just a, we're going to teach you how to run a business. It's like, no, actually gonna we're going to be invested in their business. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I'm looking to be doing over the next, you know, whatever it be, 10 years. Um, that's exciting. Because the school's grown from, you know, whatever, 60 kids to now it's hundreds of kids. And it's a school that was started by us here in Scottsdale. And why is it Tanzania? I don't know. Why my heart's out to Africa? I don't know. But I do know that that's where I'm at and I better do it to my best ability. So instead of just donating and writing and organizing, now I got to go there and I got to actually start doing some stuff, whether it be for two weeks at a you know, time, three weeks at a time, who knows? I love that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my heart's at. And um, my, my wife's all on board and yeah, that's just what it is. I love that, dude. That's fantastic. So awesome. and, and I don't, I don't know if we want to run with this story or not, but um I remember listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. I believe Jordan Peterson was on there. They were talking about child trafficking specifically in a certain part of Africa. And they were trying to figure out how to stop trafficking because it was a big deal. You know, um, people would come and steal kids and people would, um, sometimes the families would sell the kids so that they could make enough money to live and support the rest of their family. I mean, it was a huge problem and politicians and um, investors and, you know, people in philanthropy were trying to figure out how do we help this village solve their child trafficking issues? And they didn't get any traction in it until they actually went there, actually went there and actually talked to the people there. And they're like, Hey, um, how do we solve this problem best? They, they, you know, went locally and said, what do you guys need? Basically like, you know, we from thousand miles away or 10,000 miles away, it's easy for us to say you should do this. And, but it doesn't work. It hasn't been working. So what do you guys need? What would make the difference? And the women in the village said, we need fences. And they were like, what? Fences, perfect. <laughs> fences? Like, yeah. See, what you don't understand is, is that we're trying, like, we, we have a lot of resources, and we can be self-sufficient, and we can grow our own crops, and we can grow our own food. But the problem is the elephants come. The elephants come, and they destroy our crops. So then we have nothing to sell. And if we have nothing to sell, we have no money. And so the elephants are really the cause of this problem. And they're like, fences. They're like, yeah, fences. So they built fences. They put fences around this village. And they went back two years later. It was thriving. It was thriving. There was no trafficking involved anymore. People were able to be self-sufficient. Um, they, were, they were able to provide for themselves with, you know, the crops they were able to grow and the clothes they were able to make and the crafts they were able to make. <laughs> anyway, uh, and um, it was, you know, so I, I love that you're going to the people, finding out what they need and providing a solution in real time and doing it with them. Yeah. So it's not just like, Socialism, you know, I'm going to decide what's yeah, best for you 5,000 miles away. Yeah, we have people there and, and hands-on. It's just I personally haven't had the opportunity to be as hands-on as I'd like. And so that's, yeah, man, I mean, that's what you got to do. I mean, if you want to make a difference, you you can make it from here, but not as impactful as just like you said. Get your hands go build, dirty. Go build the fences. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, Mike, I'd love to have you on the show. We've, we've um, shot a lot of great content. I know this is going to be valuable to uh, our, our listeners and hopefully – beneficial to you as well but i've been enriched by this time i appreciate you coming on the show dude it's awesome man it's a blessing thanks for having me absolutely and i appreciate your um you know on the side appreciate being all around good guy and your friendship as well so thank you thank you brother thank you all right guys it's time to wrap up again if you uh found value here 
we we'd invite you to share, like, subscribe, tell everybody about it. If, if you found value, somebody else that you know and love will too. So we appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Value Script. We'll see you next time.